Welcome to Talk Your Shit Podcast. I'm your host, Diamond Ariel. And if you're Black, a person of color, or an ally, this podcast is for you. This platform gives Black entrepreneurs and creatives a space to be seen, heard, and understood, to have audacity, talk their shit, and look good while doing it. This isn't a place to be humble, rather to be yourself and take up every inch of space you deserve. So get ready because it's time for you to talk your shit. Hey y'all, in this episode of a Talk Your Shit podcast, we're going to talk about industry secrets to securing grants for your biz. This is very, very important. And who better to hear it from than the queen of securing grants herself? I'm joined today by my biz bestie. Michelle, Michelle, how are you today? Tell the people. I'm doing so good. I'm so happy to be here on your podcast today. I'm excited. So I'm excited that you joined me. She agreed, y'all. She agreed to deal with my shenanigans. And I'm I'm (laughs) so Michelle, tell us about your background. Where are you from? How'd you get where you are today? Ooh, you have how many hours do you have? Okay. <laughs> so I am originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. So I'm a Southern girl, Creole girl through and through. Um, and my background professionally is in public health. Um, lots of research, lots of science and health sciences. And what really I think the most pivotal thing that got me started on my journey into grant writing was really through research, which is not the most linear path, but, um, you know, I always make a path of my own. So, um, uh, one of the memories that pops up the most in my mind is, um, Hurricane Katrina. So if a lot of people you'll probably talk to that, like lived through Hurricane Katrina, they think of their life as pre-Katrina and post-Katrina. Mm. So um, during Hurricane Katrina, my family lost almost everything that we ever owned. And immediately after Katrina, we moved to this really small town in um, Louisiana. I won't even put them out there with saying their name. But I was in high school. It was my freshman year of high school, girl. So what a year to have something like this happen to you. What a year. um, So brand new. One thing being a new girl, then another thing being a new girl that has had something like this happen to you in your life. And um, I was in my first class. I was doing well talking to some of the students. And then in the middle of the class, some, I guess the administration had came in from the school and they were like, oh, all the new students from New Orleans, we would like to see y'all. Can y'all step out of the classroom? So we're like, mm, okay. So we we step out of the classroom and they bring us into another classroom and they literally have us like sitting in a semicircle. And then these folks walk in and what I now know that they were researchers. They came in and started asking us questions about our experience in Hurricane Katrina. And honestly, that was one of my first introductions to research. And and I didn't enjoy it at all. Like I, they didn't like ask me if I wanted to be involved. Like none, none of that happened um, as far as I can remember. And so that really opened my eyes to like research. And and from that experience, that brought me crazily into grant writing. So, mm. so that's my story. Um, how I got to where I am today. And yeah, I'm just new on this girl. That's an interesting story. Wow. That's interesting how you got into that. So, okay, let's backtrack a bit. First and foremost, we got to tell the people why this, this episode is important. Okay, y'all. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grants are super important. I did some research and the results were mind blowing. So mm-hmm. did y'all know, I'm sure you knew, but did y'all know that black people are more than likely to bootstrap their businesses instead of apply for grants? We are more than likely to to suffer, to struggle, to scrap for money than just apply for grants. And that is it's mind blowing. It yes. also makes sense though, because of how we've grown up, what our you're just not exposed to it, and you don't know about it. Yeah, yeah, literally. And so, according to a report, as well from the Federal Reserve in 2020, 80 percent of white business owners white business owners received at least a percentage of the funding they request from a bank, compared to the 67 percent Black people, Indigenous people of color, and so. When they do receive this funding, it tends to be 30K less mm-hmm. and comparable to white-owned businesses. And in turn, so in turn of that, the cycle continues where Black-owned businesses feel like they shouldn't even apply for grants because they don't think they'll get it. 38% believe that they won't receive the funding, so they don't bother applying. And that's compared to 10% of white people. Mm-hmm. So Black people will literally just not apply. Not apply. Count themselves yeah. Yeah. yeah, stop. You block, you block yourself from your blessings. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. And white people, we got to be like the white people, okay? Just, <laughs> just apply for the funding. You never know. You literally never know. Exactly. You got to put the right structures in place to make mm-hmm. to apply, and then you'll start receiving funding. And then okay. the, the other side of it is that a lot of people, even there's two sides of the coin, right? Either you don't know about grants at all, and when you find out, you're like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. How did I not know about this? Or the other side of the coin is I know about grants. I try to apply and I can't get any because I'm not doing it correctly. Mm. So walk us through, baby. Give us give us some some tea. Um. So you know, I started my story telling you about the experience with research, and so to mm-hmm. me, grant writing, evaluation, and research are so intertwined, and a lot of people don't know know that or like think of those things in the same group. But, I mean, at the end of the day, when you are applying for grants, one of the first questions they're going to ask you is about your story. And if you don't have the storytelling together, then mm-hmm. how are you supposed to tell who you are, your impact, who you want to help in the community, and the changes that you want to make in this world, right? And I think that that piece, the evaluation and research, comes before you ever even start looking at a grant, mm-hmm. right? And so. Honestly, that's the secret. The secret sauce to me is like having those learning structures in place before the like the first time you write about your organization should not be for a grant. Mm. You have to have this your, your story together, what you do, who you impact, and the changes that you're making in the world before you even go to write a grant. That the grant comes after. Writing the grant comes after once you have your story together, you know. Yeah. Storytelling is really important too with connecting with your audience and getting clients because people, people buy from people. They don't just buy with somebody just cause you got, you know, pretty, pretty branding or pretty face, you know, those help, but that's not the main reason why people buy from you, right? And so being able to tell your story and tell it well, gets people in the door. And that also, you know, gets, gets attracts, attracts money. Yeah. It attracts grants, attracts people who want to invest in you and invest in your business and invest in your success, invest in your mission. And so that's, that's, that's and that's really- for for-profit businesses and non-profit businesses, no matter who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what about the industry blew your mind the first time you found out? 
I think um, we kind of touched on it a little bit. The fact that people literally don't know about grants or they think that that's like, oh, that's for them. I could never apply for one. Like, no, you can apply for one. Not only can you apply for one, if you can think it in your mind, there's probably a grant for that. I can almost guarantee you, if it's legal, you could probably find a grant for that, you know? Um, So that was the first thing that blew my mind, I think, um, when I started dibbling and dabbling in the grant world. And then the second thing was what we already touched on, too, is how important evaluation is when it comes to grant writing. Because you have to know your story on the front end. We talked about that. Then even on the back end, Guess what? After you write that grant, whoever gave you a grant, if you get it, they want to know what you're doing with the money and where the money is going to. So you need to have those evaluation structures in in place so that you can collect data. I know people don't like to hear the word data, but we can talk about that more in a little while. But you need to be able to have systems in place to collect data so that you can tell the story of what you're doing with that money. To the funder, to the community you serve, your staff, all your stakeholders, right? So the two are are connected, you know. I think that's something that I discovered early on that really benefited. Yeah, so those were the two things. Um, definitely the evaluation component, but also like the amounts of opportunities there. And I guess um, the even piggyback off of that a little bit, like it doesn't matter if you're a nonprofit or for-profit, an individual, a family, even families can apply for grants. There's opportunities mm-hmm. out there for, for individuals too. So there's a lot of money out there. There's so much money out there. That is crazy. I didn't even realize there were grants for families too. Yeah. Um, Ooh, let me me get some, let me get some free money. So, okay. So you talked about the importance of storytelling, right? So your mission for your business is that you want to, you know, help clients tell the story, tell it to where it impacts, you know, the person who they're trying to get money from meaningfully, but also it impacts, you know, their community. And so tell me about a time where you made a meaningful impact and whether that's in your biz or that's every day, day to day and how that shapes, you know, who you are now. Um, when I was in graduate school, before I like got in fully into my profession, um, I was doing like volunteer work and like internships and stuff like that. And I was running across a lot of nonprofit organizations and they were doing such amazing work, right? And mm-hmm. um, But no one knew about it. And they were doing like what I thought was miraculous stuff with with the smallest amount of resources. And mm-hmm. so I just, and I was in public health school. So I was learning about, like I said, evaluation, project management, um, that storytelling component, all of these theories about behavior change and stuff like that. So I would literally take my background in public health, the theories that I was learning, and I would be like, hey, you know, have you heard about grants or have you heard about evaluation? Like, um, tell me about what y'all do in the day to day. And they would tell me and I was like, man, like, um, what if you wrote it like this? And I would just like draft it and they're like, oh, my God. Or like, you know, like, let me write you a one pager of like what I'm seeing y'all do. And then I would write it for them and then they would look at it and be like, oh my God, yeah, like this is what we do. You know, this is amazing. I never thought to put it on paper. And then um, from there, they just started like using that to go apply for grants and stuff. And and then they would be getting funded or like they would use that story to like post things on social media 
or, you know, help with their communications through email and stuff. And it was really making a change for them. And I was like, why am I be on something here? Because normally, we're taught, <laughs> because we're taught that um, normally in, in my background, I was taught that evaluation and fundraising are not necessarily in the same sentence. But to me, I'm like, why not? Like, you can't divide the two to me. And when you talk about evaluation, it has to be done in an equitable, empathy-focused way, which is something a lot of people also don't talk about. When they think about evaluation, people think about um, extractive practices, monitoring people and watching over them and being ticky. And that's not how I imagine evaluation. I imagine it as learning. Mm. Like a way to learn about someone or about their impact and to improve programs in the future. And so like my, I was noticing that my line of thinking about these things was so different. And I just started having conversations with nonprofit leaders, the people that were in my circle that I was working with in my graduate school program. And I really started to see changes for them. And that kind of like piqued my interest in moving in this direction to do this as um, a full-time business. Wow. You're out here changing lives. I'm so proud. Oh, thank you, girl. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, so what's your process of applying for grants too? So I'm sure you got you've gotten a hell of grants. You over here teaching other people, you know, how to get money, how to get grants and fund their business and make an impact. So I know I know you I know you've applied for some grants. Yeah. So um my process when I'm helping people apply for grants is start with storytelling first. Mm-hmm. So um, I work with people one-on-one, um, helping them get that, that story out on paper and helping them find opportunities that are most mission aligned. Mm. And then um, I put like lots of structures in place for them to get the grant. And then I help them create evaluation systems to keep their money coming in. So it's like a framework that I follow a process. Girl, I'm, I'm, I'm mindful. I might have to, you know, sign your demons after this. More than happy to help. <laughs> So you have talked about, you know, all of these, you know, your story, your background, how you got into it. So I know you have experienced challenges along the way, especially as a Black woman. And so what type of challenges have you faced? Whether that's, you know, people being like, mm, I don't know if I trust you, you know, just because based off, you know, the fact that you're Black, okay, because people are more critical of Black women than they are literally anyone, and so tell me about that. Faced any challenges inside of my business besides one mm-hmm. is that I want to help more people, right? And mm-hmm. so um, I felt like there were a lot of people that were coming to me for support, but I wasn't always able to be able to do my program with them one-on-one. And so all right now I'm in a process of kind of rectifying, mitigating one of those challenges that I'm facing, which is helping more people by... Um, in a couple of months, I'm creating a program where people will be, a lot of people will be able to be served, not just me doing this one-on-one work um, with my family. So that's mm-hmm. one challenge inside of my business, me really wanting to help more people. And I, I can't um, all the time because I don't always have the capacity. But mm-hmm. before I started my business, I mean, you name it, I've had racism in the workplace being tokenized. Mm-hmm. I've um, worked in places where I literally made millions of dollars for an organization in my job and I was paid the least. 
and was treated mm. like I was um, disposable. Mm. I've been in situations where people are very rigid um, things about evaluation or go about trying to get data from people in the, those harmful ways that I talked about before. I mean, trying to raise the flag and say, hey, let's not do it this way. And it's not always been heard. Um, those type of challenges. And so I know that when, when I face walls or glass ceilings, like I got my hammer in my ladder ready, right? Period. Ready, ready to break. <laughs> and I got my ladder ready to get over the whatever yes. wall that I'm faced with. And so, um, really me creating granted advisors is my hammer in my ladder, you know, mm -hmm tools that I put together and is making differences um, in the way that I see fit. So like some of those situations that I've been through, um, challenging, yes, but I wouldn't be here today if I didn't go through that. I wouldn't be able to help people in a way that I help them now without being faced with that adversity and saying, you know, we can do a lot better. So, I would, yes. so I would do better. Yeah. Black people are immaculate, okay? <laughs> We are phenomenal, never never the same. We are unique, okay? Because the, the challenges that we have faced in the workplace, if you look at today, you can see the, the huge movement of Black people leaving the workforce and starting their own business because of the fact that they're tired. We're yeah. tired. We're tired of being treated like a token. We're tired of being treated like nothing. We're tired. And so because you're going to treat us bad, we're going to go off. We're going to start our own businesses, make our own money, and change the world. And that that part, who could ever? Who could ever? No one. They could never. And that's why we're leaving. <laughs> I am, I'm just so proud. <laughs> like, and it's, it's you, it's the, it's you saying, I got my hammer and I got my ladder because I'm going to break this glass ceiling. And then I'm going to provide a space for others to do it as well. Yes. And you know what? I'm happy that you said that because the crux of what I do, you know, I can come in all day long and like write a grant for you and submit it for you. And then tomorrow I could be gone. And then you left with what? Right. What? My my process that I use in Granted Advisors is different. I teach you how to fish. I walk you step by step into how to tell the story of your impact your way. I just give you the framework and you you apply these things to yourself and you make sure that your mission is in alignment and then I help you find these prospects and help you create an evaluation system that works for you and your team. And then whenever you choose, when I'm gone, you have all everything you need to go forth and do this on your own. My job is to work myself out of one. So that when I'm going, you have the entire system you need to keep the engine running and to scale it. Yeah. Right. And not depending on you like a crackhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and that is so good that you actually teach them because I do, I know the business, you know, the corporate America can be very sleazy, okay? They only give you a little bit so that you have to continue coming back to them and spending more money so that you're more miserable, right? But you are literally giving them a framework. You are teaching them. You are helping them, you know, get grants. And then when you leave, they still have that framework. They still have, you know, the knowledge of like, okay, I can still continue to, you know, apply for more grants, get more money because she has actually taught me. I right. love that. 
And I try to do the same thing too as well with like with style. Like I'm not only gonna you know be up all up in your closet and be like you should wear this and this and this and let me just buy you a few things you should wear this. Like no, I'm gonna teach you. Right. I'm going to put you on. I can put together the perfect look myself and feel good and confident about it. Yeah. Exactly. Like yes, it'll be good. You know you you hooked on to me like a crackhead because you know I'm getting more money, money, right? But that is not that's not the point, right? Like I want you to be able to do this to yourself. Mm-hmm. I want you to be able to take that, you know, when you're you and you're out far in the world, somewhere in freaking I don't know, a random continent. Right. Somewhere and you know what you're doing, right? So I think that's that's really important. That's really good. Really good as well. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So you know you know how you don't have to tell me the receipts, right? Because I need to know. Because I know <laughs> I just I just know that you are dope. Okay, so I need to know what is the most money that you have helped a client secure. Oh, girl! Just off the top of my head, I've helped one client secure over six million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. looking for the six million because I needed to come to me six million dollars mm-hmm. I have one client even right now I haven't been working for them um for a year and last year they were working with a grant writing company and they didn't get any grants and I've been working with them for like I said less than a year and I've already bought in over five hundred thousand for them period girl keep feeding us the receipts come on come on what's mm-hmm. up talk your shit <laughs> but yeah but I mean what I do works. That's all I'll say. <laughs> magical works. Mag- magical works. Who could never? <laughs> I can only but dream. You, but you could, though. If I taught you, Ooh. you could. <laughs> Look, she already plugging herself. She already selling herself to me on this podcast. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. So, it, so because I'm just... <laughs> I am amazed. Six million dollars? I can't get that out of my head. Not everyone can do that. <laughs> How? I just like it makes me feel so good to be able to do this work because like my work is mostly with nonprofits and social entrepreneurs. So it's people that really are affirming their mission and they are really helping the community so like that's what really keeps me going is like the money that's good and great but i look at money as energy right like the more capital the more resources that folks have that are doing really good work and care about what they're doing that i'm very selective mm-hmm. about who i work with because of that like my mission is to help people that mm-hmm. otherwise couldn't do it themselves and people that really want to serve their communities. And so like I know that these dollars are going to to really help the community, you know? And like that that's yes. why I, that's why I do what I do, you know? Yes. And the more access to capital that we have, the more that we can change the world, y'all. Cause this America, America's a hot mess. Okay. America's America's crackhead. Right. And I talking about the crackhead earlier. That's what that's what America is. Okay, because <laughs> Because it's just like, why Why does a society try so hard to break us down when y'all the reason we here in the first place? Yeah. Capitalism like, we all is chilling in Africa, being free, you know, going to our beach houses. But nah, y'all wanted to be lazy because you couldn't, couldn't clean your own backyard. So you have to come steal Capitalism. us. Capitalism is an interesting construct. And let's leave it at that. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I'm not understanding, you know? It's so, it's, it's really good because I love just seeing us excel. I love seeing us succeed. And that is a whole point of this podcast because I need people to know about y'all. I need people to know what the type of work y'all doing so y'all can continue doing this work and Thank continue you. changing like the, the construct, you know? And so I need to know, okay, what's your favorite part about your job? Is it, it's, I know it's like, you know, it's probably more of, okay, I get to change this person's life, but what, what else is there? Because I know this is like a very, it can be humbling, but I, I don't need you to be humble. Okay. I need you to be like, this is, <laughs> this is it. Yeah. So I think my, I think there's two things. So number one, I love like working with the client and breaking things down for them. Um, so like when we're talking about that storytelling component, like, um, they already know the story. I can never, I could never tell my client's story better than they could, but mm-hmm. being able to give them the structure and the tools to tell their story in a way so that the different audiences that they hope to have an impact upon understand and really see what they're doing. And, um, for, for me to like walk through that with them and then be like, okay, not here, like read it back to yourself. And they're like, I didn't know that I could tell the story like that. I didn't know that that data looked like this. Cause like um, data isn't just numbers, right? Data is pictures, data is food, data is music, data is poetry, data is so many different things. Um, and so when I'm able to like challenge those standards of like, rigor and evaluation or like in implement like storytelling and stuff for my clients um mm-hmm. on the evaluation side and on the grant writing side and seeing their face light up when they see their story told mm-hmm. in a way that is most authentic to them that's everything to me i love that part of my work so much the second part that i love is um you know when i start working with my clients one of the first things i tell them is that like grants is a long game like, you're not going to apply to a grant today and get a grant tomorrow. That's not how this works. Mm-hmm. You can apply to a grant for today and you might not hear back for months. Mm. Okay. But you're going to get it. You just got to, like, you know, follow these practices and, and get it going. And, and they'll start coming in. But when it starts coming in and you see their reaction, they're like, oh, my God, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know you could do this. I didn't know that um we could get money like this or I didn't know that you know that grant writing was like that I think that's the second thing that really is like the the best part of my job like seeing those congratulations letters coming and especially just seeing the awe in their faces like wow I didn't know this was accessible to me because we don't know people don't know that it's accessible to them and and I love that you are doing work like this like I literally, I literally have never heard of a grant i don't know why it just never crossed my mind but a, a, yeah. a grant business you know like someone who uh, i feel like you know when you talk about like philanthropy um getting access to funding and things like that i feel like sometimes there can be like an invisible wall or like you have to be very connected to certain people in order to get access to funds and stuff like that and you know i've been working in this space for quite some time and i don't really run into a lot of other grant writers or um fundraisers that look like that are black very little female very little black um put them both together like there's not really a lot of us out there 
So, I mean, I, it means a lot to me to be able to work with people that look like me um, or serve people that look like me and to be able to um, handle their mission with care um, and their story with care and to be able to help them like collect data with care, with their community, who they serve at the center of it. Um, so that that means a lot to me, but you know, like I said, there's not a lot of people that look like me doing this work. I haven't met any. Yeah, and look at you, we met you. You stepped yeah. into that role and you are out here securing $6 million grants because Rebe, not everybody can do that. Even, even, even your counterpart, even, even the counterparts can't even, they have to secure that much. How long have you been doing this too? Uh, less than 10 years. Less than 10 years. Like I jumped into it. I finished my master's and then I literally like started my professional career and my doctor degree at the same time. The bachelor's and you out here with the doctors. Like that. <laughs> I can't. I'm almost done with my doctorate. Oh. So not yet. This and I am on the road to finishing very soon. Ooh, will you invite to the graduation? Yes, of course. <laughs> I invite everyone gets an invite. I want everyone to attend. Cause look. Cause look, we, we gotta show up. High waters to get here, okay? Okay, look, that's what I'm saying. That's it. Okay. I'll be there. I'm there. I'm there. So yes. wait. This has brought me back to <laughs> how I first met you, okay? <laughs> Y'all, <laughs> but January, end of January, we attended this event called ROI. Best conference ever, by the way, and I will be attending for the rest of my life until mm -hmm. God knows when he decides to take oh, me, sure. but, <laughs> okay. And I, you know, land in the airport, Puerto Rico, by the way. And I'm just, you know, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm going to just mind my business. Not today. I'm an <laughs> she said not today. I'm an introvert. And I don't, I just, I'm going to just, I'm going to just ease myself and do this, right? So I'm just walking. And then, boop, Michelle comes. Hey. Hello. What's, what's up? <laughs> what's up? What's happening? You know? And she's like. You go to this, uh, you go to this conference. I was like, yeah, girl. She's like, I bet. So we just, <laughs> she just, you know. And then other, ever since then, we were just, just hanging out inseparable. It's fine. Inseparable. And it was, <laughs> it was crazy because I, I seen her puff, just chilling, you know, on the airport. And I'm like, don't see it. You can't miss it because, baby, you gonna see, you gonna see this puff. And I, I'm just peeping at her, but I'm like. I'm gonna wait, you know, and here she comes, like, hey, so here we are. Hey, are you a Schmilly? Yes. Schmilly, fellow Schmilly. They're gonna learn about the Schmilly. Okay? They're gonna learn. They're gonna take over. <laughs> at that point, it was just kind of like asking everybody there at the airport, you a Schmilly? Like, there's not local people that live in Puerto Rico, because clearly there's not, you know, only Schmilly live there. It's fine. Um, <laughs> it was a great moment for me, honestly. It would actually help me. Push me out of my comfort zone because you're very and she really don't be talking to people. But just meeting her from then on, we just kicked it off. And I learned more about this woman every day. Y'all, oh. she is literally amazing. She is out here yeah. helping underrepresented people get grants, get funding so that they can continue changing lives and, you know, starting a movement, right? And so 
You know, and it's like, it's, thank you so much for saying that, but it's not even about me. It's about people going and doing their work. Like, you know, I kind of think of myself as like, I I heard someone use this analogy, like as salt, like when Mm. I'm there, you don't notice me, but like everything's going good and you're able to like feed so many people and everyone loves the food and it's all great. But without salt, like, oh my God, you notice that it's gone, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So great you growing up financial wise. I come from a middle class family. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a lot my my parents worked really hard so that I could go to like private school and things like that. And I thought that that was um normal until I got older and realized that, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it's not as normal. Like my parents, um my parents come from a more impoverished um, lifestyle and they work really hard so that, you know, me and my sister could have different. And, you know, I can remember like my earliest years, we lived in a small house and my dad worked in the hospitality industry. And then I, from a child, watched my dad dibble and dabble in entrepreneurship. He had a trucking company, a moving company. And then, um, you know, when we were getting older, like being gone, doing that wasn't as, um, you know, it wasn't really something that fit with his lifestyle. And so he like started um, getting into real estate and buying houses. And I just watched him mm-hmm. do that. And it's like, whenever he ran into something, he just created something else. And like, mm-hmm. when, like, and that really was kind of like the impetus for me to start my business, because like when I ran into something that didn't work for me, okay, I know what work. Like, mm-hmm. let me and do that but like you know i grew up um i wasn't wealthy or anything my group like i i think it was like a middle class family but i grew up with a lot of love i have a huge family a close family and um their love and them exposing me to all facets of the community whether it be people that were living impoverished i really was able to grow um a great compassion for people and i knew that i wanted to help help people. It was because of my grandparents. I am one of those people who spent so much time with my grandparents. Yes, my parents were were um definitely active in my life, but I love to spend time with my grandparents. And it wasn't until I was older that I learned that my grandfather was a sharecropper. What? This is how close, how close wow. we are from that kind of life. Yeah. His father was probably a slave. You know what I'm saying? And to see me today doing the type of work that I do today, I I do it almost in honor of them because if they could see me now, they'd be amazed. And like that just means so much to me to be able to live out their legacy for them and do it in a way that serves my community. So, yes. yeah, my like my grandfather had a fifth grade education and was a sharecropper. My grandmother had an eighth grade education. And you out here getting your doctorates. Yeah. That, that is great. That is insane. Yeah. Crazy stuff, huh? Crazy stuff. And girl, it's the fact that you just brought me back because every day, I don't, I don't think about the fact that we are, you know, literally 50 years away from segregation. Yeah. You're not even that far away from, you know, like being slaves. And just the fact that he had, you know, a fifth grade education and you out here about to graduate with your doctorates making six figures, you're getting the six figures, seven figures, like he will will be proud. That's insane. And we are literally our grandparents' dreams. 
Wildest dreams. Yes. Wildest dreams. Our ancestors' wildest dreams. Yeah. I make sure to honor them every single day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. My my grandparents and how, you know, not poor, but they they you know they made a way for themselves. You know, they had dollar out of fifteen cents. You know, but just I mean, imagine- you know what we think like it wasn't poor. Maybe it was poor, but we had so much love and community that it didn't matter. Like you know. You didn't need money because you know that you could go to your neighbor for whatever or like, you know, you didn't really need money for childcare because you knew that your aunt down the street had you on that. And, you know, every Sunday you can go to your grandma's house and everybody pitches in and brings a meal. You know what I'm saying? Like that sense of community. And honestly, that that's most of the work I do is trying to get us back to that, that life-changing social connectedness life-changing social support you know um there's so much competition yeah what resources do does a community need in order to get back to that quality of life you know for us to succeed together because there's so much competition so much people be behind your back so many people trying to drag you down and it's like look yeah for real we got to be in community to get to where we want to be yeah yeah, for sure. And now that is, we never knew we were poor. I never knew that, you know, they were struggling because my parents never told me, my grandparents, they don't, they don't tell you. They don't and tell maybe you. they weren't, and maybe they weren't struggling. Yeah. Maybe because, they were, just you know, because they didn't have tangible money didn't mean that they were struggling, so to speak. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but like we had so much love and community, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a different life. Mom said this. She didn't, Telling me, tell it to me, but she told it to someone else, and I just was in earshot. But I remember her saying that there was a point in her life when she had to go to the food bank in order to feed me. I never knew. She never made it known, made it obvious that we were struggling, that we were, you know, needing food. She provided in ways that I yeah. didn't even know. Yeah, and like one step further, if you think about like places like that, food banks and after school programs and, you know, churches, all of these things that I don't know about you, but when I think about my childhood and the things that really made a difference to me in my community, that that was it. Right. Like, you know, having places to go that we would be safe, being able to get an education and be in community with our elders those things make a difference. And a lot of those things are put in place by either social entrepreneurs sometimes or nonprofit organizations. And a lot of those folks do not know how to bring in the resources they need to keep them going. And that's why you see so many of them failing. You're like, what happened to, you know, Miss Mary such and such on the street? Well, she couldn't get any funding, so they, they closed down. You know, man, what a loss. Yeah. You providing funding for them is them providing resources for people who need it. Yes. For people like my mom who need it at some point. Yes. And we are the main ones that are literally going to the food banks. Okay. We are the main ones that are struggling. Mm-hmm. People that look elevated and, you know, make money and provide for them is, is how we're going to help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the crevices of. But it's so important. <laughs> what do you say? Saying like how important this is. Yeah. And yeah. Truly impactful. Thank and you. I need I need more people to see you to to you know because we do need that funding. 
like I said earlier, people, we don't know. We don't know about funding. And so we don't apply for those grants or we don't know how. And so we just never do it. We just would rather bootstrap. <laughs> we would rather scrape change than, you know, this is that literally give um, specifically to people that look like us, you know? Yeah. It's the truth of it. Yeah. Yeah. There are people that have companies that literally put pots of money on the side to support Black female entrepreneurs or Black female enterprises or, you know, organizations that, you know, like, like if you think down to the most nichiest niche, there's probably someone out there that wants to give exactly to that, you know, mm-hmm. you're just finding that, getting access to that. Tell us, because in order for us to secure these grants, we have to be able to tell our story, mm-hmm. a genuine story. Tell the truth, y'all. Don't be out here lying. Okay. <laughs> tell our real story. And so what are three storytelling tips that you want to leave with the listeners in order for them to be able to secure these grants for their businesses? Okay. Three storytelling tips. Number one, we talk about this all the time. Like you are one of one. Your organization is a one of one. Don't try to be something you're not. Tell your story as authentically as you can. Um, even the parts that you're not so proud about, like just be open and honest about it and make that a part of your story because it's important um, to tell that those parts of your story because it's how you got to where you are. Like include that, you know. Um, I think number two to like get that story out on paper first before you even start thinking about grant writing get that story out on paper and stories don't always have to be words like we talked about data before stories can be pictures stories can be poetry story can be um food a menu a story can be um songs that bring you back to a certain place in time um creative you don't have to tell your story in one set way because um some of these other forms can do um can be an adjunct to your words and take your words to the next level right and then the last thing when it comes to grant writing is um after you get that story down on paper after you realize that you're a one-on-one you can ask other people about your story too not just yourself um to really get that story down in a way that you think it will come across to others. And then um, once you have that story down, then you can do your search for grants, you know, like go online, you can use Google, you can go, there's um, foundations, a lot of cities have community foundations that you can go to, talk to them about your grant needs, and they can help point you in the right direction. But when you have your story down first, and, um, and you think about evaluation on the front end, Uh, evaluation what I said about those learning structures of how you will collect data um, over time it'll make your grant writing process so much easier because number one you won't have mission creep and mission creep is when you start writing grants and then you see something over here something over there and it doesn't really quite fit your organization so when you write the grant you start saying that you do stuff that you don't do And then you might get that grant. And then guess what? You won't have to do something that you don't want to do for your community. So when you have that story down first and you start, you you will go look for grants that really align with what you're trying to do so that you are truly going to be able to serve your community and be in alignment with the people that are going to be giving you the money because that's truly what they want to be doing with the money too, right? 
Yes. And then on the back end, when you're censoring that evaluation and having those different types of data coming in, when it's time to do your grant reporting, because guess what? At six months and a year after they give you that check, they want to know what you do with that money. Some of these evaluation, these grant reports, which are kind of like evaluation reports, can be pages and pages long. They want you to like tell them what you were able to do. But that part will be a lot easier for you because you already have those systems and structures in place if you focus on evaluation on the front end. Wow. Love. Y'all better take notes. Take notes. <laughs> that is so good. Thank you so much. No Thank you so much for telling your knowledge, your story. Telling us about the impact that you are making because you are you are making an impact. You are doing thank you. phenomenal and do not take that lightly. Well, thank you. <laughs> this was amazing. I love it. I love what you're doing, uplifting entrepreneurs so they can come on here and talk their as For sure, yes. Well, tell the people where they can find you. Yes, well, you guys can find me really at my website, www.grantedadvisors.com, or you can find me at Granted Advisors on um, Instagram as well. Yes, yeah, she just got an Instagram, so I'm going to need y'all. Follow her, her some love. Look for more content coming soon. And if you are interested in learning more about grant writing, you can reach out to me and um, you can get on my list so that you can um, be a part of the, the program that I'll be doing in a couple months. Yes, I'm so excited. All this will be in the show notes, y'all. So don't be out here looking lost and confused. You don't understand. Just just go to the notes and you will you will find all you need. Oh, yeah. thank you all so much. Thank you, Diamond. It was a pleasure. It was so much fun. Thank you for listening to Talk Your Shit Podcast. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram at queen underscore of diamonds. Let me know what you thought of today's episode by leaving a review and tagging me on social media. Stay audacious and I'll catch you in the next episode.